Pharma Ventures, the deal experts. Hello and welcome to the Pharma Ventures podcast series. I'm Adrian Dawkins and I'll be hosting today's edition. Have you ever wondered why pharmaceutical companies license and buy new assets? What's the process? How do they do it? How do they decide what's a good asset or a bad asset? Why do some companies use advisors and others not? Joining me on today's edition are two colleagues, Kiriako Sevetas and Ross Jenkins. Kiriako, could you just introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, Adrian. Um, so I'm Kiriako Zafestas. I'm a director of Pharma Ventures. I work on the execution side of things across a range of projects, which includes, among other, licensing and M&A. And I've done a fair bit, I would say, my fair share of search and find mandates and projects with clients. And that, that's kind of what we at Farm Ventures call these, where we're helping companies find something to buy Correct. or license, a search and find. Helping a client um, acquire assets or rights in, in, in specific markets or a whole company. Okay, we'll come back to that. And also joining me is Ross Jenkins. Ross, hello, can you introduce yourself? Hi, Adrian. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me on here. Um, I'm Ross Jenkins. I'm a senior analyst here at Farm Ventures. Um, through the course of my time here, I've worked on a number of projects where we've been looking at in-licensing and out-licensing pharmaceuticals and medical devices. Okay, that's great. So we've got the real experts in the room today. Um, let, let's, let's talk a little bit now about um, actually doing the, the, the process or going after and looking for assets. Um, and I guess some companies do it themselves, some big farm. They have teams of people that it's their job, isn't it, to, to do that? Um, and other companies hire advisors, and that, that's our role. We get involved in this. Why is it, do you think, that some companies um, hire advisors and, and others will, will do it on their own? It really varies, but I would say the number one reason where you would engage an advisor is if you are constrained by your current bandwidth. You know, there are now, we live in an era where there, there's massive innovation in the biotech and healthcare space. Being able to monitor everything at the same time is next to impossible. We know that's, that's, that's not happening. Even some of the bigger companies struggle these days. We have clients in the past who, who, who know the space very well. They just come back to us and say, well, we can monitor everything. So we need to look at, at the specific space for us. Uh, the second thing is that a lot of the people, I would say, are, are not what I would call proactive. So there is a difference between knowing what's out there and actually doing something about it, <laughs> right? Uh, one of the problems we come across quite often is that, and, and that happens across across the spec, whether they're bigger or smaller companies, is the companies arrive at the party a bit too late, right? And, and I get it. You know, you come, you want a novel asset with a strong efficacy signal, de-risk, high revenue potential that's close to market. Guess what? So does everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's not enough knowing what's going on and what's out there and being able to monitor the market. It's about being able to identify the opportunity first, get your foot in the, in the, in the door quickly, and being able to act at the right time. So in that sense, um, you should be able to do a couple of things, which is be able to screen the market quickly and be able to identify the right time for partnership or establish a collaboration with a the, with the specific company, even earlier on, even if you're not ready to take on the asset yet. And this is where having a consultant and advisor could come real handy to identify these opportunities and help you out and keep an eye on the, on the, on the market for you, right? And there are different things that advisors can do. Kiriako, I'm, um, let, let's say I'm a big pharma company, I won't name any. Why would I um, hire you or Pharma Ventures or another advisory firm to, to do this for me? Because 
don't I have those resources? So an advisor will by default have a relatively wider coverage than most companies. Uh, we are able to, to check multiple databases, cross-reference. Uh, we'll keep an eye out on all of the partnering conferences to which we, we participate, and we'll tap into our own private network, meaning the people we actually know in companies, as well as the, the assets and opportunities that we represent as a company at the moment, some of which are in the hidden market. You know, you won't, might not see them advertised. So that's the first starting point, wider coverage. But on top of that, we can screen all these hundreds, if not thousands of assets in a fairly efficient and quick manner so that we can come up with a, with a short list of prioritized targets. So not only will we look at the market and say, well, this is what's out there. We're going to screen those targets and say, out of this, these are your top priorities based on the criteria and what you're looking for. After that, we can go a step further, be able to, to look at stuff and things that are not really visible to the untrained eye. So take a scenario, right? You look at an asset, you're trying to acquire rights to, to the European market to an asset. And you look at the sales of that asset for the company, and they look pretty decent. So you say, well, if X company markets that in Europe and they have like half a billion sales, will they be willing to give that out? Probably not. However, looking closely, you might see that only two markets drive the revenue, say Germany and the UK. Well, if France, Italy, and Spain are underperforming, is that the gap that you could fill? market gaps and if yes is that asset then actionable so we'll take a step back assess everything and come back to you and say you know what from the prioritized list of targets we think there are opportunities here here and there and of those we think based on the companies you know the the owners uh recent activity their corporate communication the business development and their partnering partners we think they might be willing to let this go so overall you can have end-to-end -end support and a very rapid screen and prioritize target of the market. But the second bit, which I think is equally important and most people tend to overlook is, if you engage a consultant or an advisory firm long enough, you can have continuous monitoring of the market. And this is very important. So most people, and this is where they fail and they come to the party too late, right? They treat it as, they, they treat the screening as a one-off exercise. So you come, you screen and say, oh, I missed the train. I can no longer get what I want, let's drop it now, which is exactly why you find yourself in that place. What you should be doing is have continuous monitoring of the market, identify the opportunities before everyone else get wind of them, and be able to act quickly. Even if you're not ready to partner, at least it's on your radar and perhaps you can establish a collaboration or be involved with the company in another capacity. So all that package yeah, could come from an advisor. So when, when companies uh, approach um, farm ventures and say, hey, I'm looking for an asset in this particular therapeutic area. Um, do, they, do they come with a sort of fully formed idea of what they want or do they, they come and say, I don't know what it is, but when I see it, I'll know that's the thing. And, and can, can you work with both of those scenarios? We get a varying degree of competency when people come to us. Some people have very clear set expectations of what they're looking for and other people in your second second part of the question there, you, you come to us like that. They kind of go, well, I think I know what I want. I think I want something in this area. Um, and it's not, it's not the be all and end all. You don't have to know everything. That's something that we can help with. And it's something that we will work with clients on. Um, w there are key points there where it's a good starting point. We like to know what kind of geographical area you're interested in. Um, but there, there are much more specific parts that we can develop with the client. Um, the particular class of asset, do we want a small molecule, a monoclonal antibody, 
um, the type of asset, is it a novel asset, is it a generic value add, that kind of thing. Um, but all of these guidelines can be developed through the process and through multiple conversations with the client. So it's not necessary that somebody comes to us with a fully formed idea of what they want. Um, sometimes people go too far. They've already done their full list and they've created a list of targets um, for us to already go and look at. Um, while this can be good for us, I mean, hey, it's less work, but ultimately the, some people, they think they know what they want, but when you actually go into the list that they've provided you with, they realize that none of that is really on brand and they've just spent a whole load of money when they didn't need to. When right. If we've had these discussions first, we can properly identify the, the exact type of asset that these people are after. Right. So it's, it's worth having that sort of uh, scoping discussion, if you like, to understand what the real parameters are and not, not restricting it too much, but equally not just having a completely blank sheet of paper saying, go find me something because there are thousands and thousands of things out there. Exactly. It's important to have clear guidelines, but it's also important to, to be able to be flexible on these guidelines of what we're looking for. When you get into that then, so clearly there must be a process at work here to actually go from, go find me a thing that looks like this to actually finding the thing. Um, uh, and, and I guess it's not a reasonable, reasonable thing. Most things are, are for sale if at the right price, if, if, you can, if you can meet that. What, what, what does the process itself look like? What do you actually do? So as we just mentioned there, we start with a, we like to start with a clearly defined and discussed mandate. We like to set out exactly what we're looking for before we go charging off into the, into the field as, as such. So as with most things, the, the process itself is very iterative. We like to have multiple conversations with the clients as we're going through and looking for things. Multiple things can pop up that might change guidelines. We might have conversations with um, clients and opinion leaders that might alter the client's perception of what they're actually after. So I think it's very important that you kind of, the, the conversation grows as the project grows. It helps get the best out of both what we as an advisory know and understand and what the client themselves expects. So we'd like to start with these these big kind of mandated lists. We get a large number of hits through this, no doubt. Um, and then we like to use those guidelines to sort of filter that down and hopefully arrive at a, a manageable list. Of course, if that list is too large, we look to add more restrictions on what exactly they're after. Uh, alternatively, if it's too small, we'd like to say, well, can we potentially expand on some of these areas? If previously they were only after something in phase three, we, and we've only got, say, two or three assets, we might say, well, actually, would you be willing to consider something slightly earlier stage? It might produce more interesting assets, slightly more risk, sure, but to have that expanded option with particularly interesting targets is always an interesting point for clients. What about the companies who are not ready, ready yet to market their assets, they're not the sales they want, or people who are not sure they want they, they, they want to go out there and make a deal. This is the people you need to identify. And this, this is very important, right? When you identify these opportunities that are not actively marketed at the moment, you need to really, really think about your approach. And I'm sure Ross will have some strong views on this because I, I know he has done a few projects on that. But you have to remember, with, with stuff like that, you have to sell yourself as a buyer and as a partner as much as the other company is trying to sell their asset. You have to groom yourself and try to go there and try to explain well why you could add value and why they should partner out with you at this point, what are you bringing to the table. 
How can you maximize you know, impact and value for the asset? What synergies can you offer? Um, what market gaps can you fill? You know, overall is, well, since you're not marketing it, why should I sell it to you? Well, you should because I can do X, Y, Z. That can be the right pattern. You have to build a story around you. Right. So it's, it's like even it's 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 a, it's almost a marriage. It's uh, the it's expectations of the marriage, seller and the, the the needs of the buyer coming together in a, as close a fit as possible. We need to remember that, especially when it's a big player and a small player. A lot of these smaller players, the founders are still very heavily involved. The assets and the drugs coming through their pipeline are very much their, their babies. They've poured a lot of time and effort and work into these and they want to make sure that the person they're giving it to, or at least some rights of it to, are going to look after their baby, are going to do the best for it and, and make sure it reaches its full potential. So it's not, it's not just about doing the desk research and finding the things that other people might not find, it's actually also establishing the conversation and the relationship so because people do deal identifying synergies right things that can create a win-win situation let, let me put it this way right if you go out there and you see all the, the recent licensing deals you go back half of them were not advertised yeah if you go back and see a recent deal that doesn't mean necessarily it was in the partnering conference but two companies identified an opportunity they saw some synergy there they could work together and maximize impact and value of that asset therefore you have a deal as an advisor or an advisory firm um some companies, do, do they ever want to remain anonymous So, because they're going into an area they might not be known to be in? Or is, is there a reason for... That's another reason for having an advisor sort of do this. Yeah. Does that happen? Yeah, no, no, it, it happens a lot. And uh, some people, as you say, do hire advisors like ourselves just because of that. And the reason for that is obviously it's an area they might not understand very well. But equally important is because they don't want to show their hand and disclose their strategy to the market. They want to. They don't want to be seen as someone who's want to break into, say, the CNS space for the for the first time, because at that point you alert competition. Mm -hmm. So they want to be able to test the water through an advisor anonymously, get a feeling of what the assets will be going for, or if the the specific company is willing to partner and do a deal, and then take it from there. Obviously, if there is um, you know fertile ground for a, for a discussion and a potential deal. Obviously, you have to sign a CDA and you have to disclose your company, but there's no point in doing that and sharing information and parts of your strategy if you think that the discussion is not really going anywhere. To kind of wrap up, uh, um, uh, as advisors, what advice would you give to, to companies who are thinking about embarking on a, uh, acquiring or licensing an asset on a sort of search and find project? Right. Uh, number one, be more proactive. Put yourself out there and try to put your foot in the door as early as possible. Don't be the last person to realize an opportunity is out there. Second, keep an eye on the market continuously. Keep the screening going. Do not treat it as an ad hoc project, one thing that you did for six months and then you just, you just put on the side. Because then you start losing the opportunities, you don't understand how assets develop, you don't understand what competition is doing or the field is headed. You know, this should be a continuous exercise. You should have an iterative process where you feedback again and again and again and refine your criteria. While we are on the point of criteria and at the risk of contradicting ourselves, you know, although with any search and find mandate, it's great to start with a well and defined and clear criteria mandate. Sometimes you need to be able to be more flexible when you hit a wall and say, well, you know what, I can't find what I need with this criteria to satisfy my strategic ob objectives. So instead of just dropping everything and canceling the project, what you should be able to do is either have a plan B and C ready lined up or be a bit flexible and be able to loosen some of your criteria. So lastly, from my side, I would say that, you know, it's when you go and you approach any deal, 
as you said earlier, right? Then it's a marriage, right? You are looking at them. An ideal deal is something that creates value for both parties. So before you go into a meeting or approach a partner for that matter, even if before you start your Monday, you should take a step back and think, okay, well, I want to acquire assets or companies with this criteria. What do I bring to the table? I think if you do all this and you have a structured approach, then you're in a position of strength. And the flexibility is one thing that's quite key, especially in the, the deal type you're after and the way you approach companies. Something that we've found is quite often, if you, especially if you're a bigger player, uh, and, you, and you just approach someone outright and say, we're looking to acquire you, people can get quite defensive. Um, so it's not necessarily a bad thing to approach people looking for a collaboration initially. And whether the discussions themselves segue towards a full-on acquisition, um, that, that depends on the positioning of the companies. But you know, being flexible in that approach can, can be quite beneficial as well. Um, the other thing is also understanding the specific challenges that, that relate to the type of area you're looking for. Um, so like we've said with oncology, you know, there's lots of assets out there. How do you identify the right one that's going to work for you? Um, and, and at what stage and what amount of risk are you prepared to take on versus CNS, where it's quite clear there's a lot of people aren't willing to take that risk. Um, conversely, if we look at medical devices, for example, when we're looking at the, the way we identify these, um, one of the, the common issues there are around in this sort of field is there's no sort of like um, there's no big commercial database out there tracking all the medical devices like there is for pharmaceuticals uh, lastly I think as well people a lot of people go out there with sort of unrealistic expectations when they're looking for these deals they're expecting to get too much for too little um, or vice versa, if they're out licensing or, or trying to sell something, they're, they're expecting too much for too little. Um, we see a few clients come to us with very little information and data in the background of their asset to support it, but they're still expecting very large values for this from companies just because the potential market itself is huge. But a lot of these companies are kind of turning around and saying, that's, that's great, it's potentially worth a lot but what have you got to show me that it's actually going to hit that? Right, that's, that's very good advice. And um, if we can sort of distill it down to, to what have we really learned here today, I think it's do your homework. Um, it's a very complex area. There are multiple deal types, and depending on which therapeutic area you're in, people go early or go late. Engage with the market, be flexible, um, and use advisors because they really can help you. Kiriako, Ross, um, many thanks for joining me today. Thoroughly enjoyed the discussion. Um, and uh, we look forward to the uh, next edition of, of the podcast. If you've still got questions about whatever aspect of deal making uh, you may be interested in, head over to PharmaVentures website at www.pharmaventures.com for more information. Thanks and goodbye. PharmaVentures. The Deal Experts.